Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, July 6th in the year 2023. So if you get a chance and you haven't heard the previous hour show, please do. It was uh, It's a good template we're going to build on a little bit here tonight more, but from a more spiritual side. And really kind of dig into this expanding vision of the commission of Operation Vineyard. So... Patriots, one thing right now that's important to appreciate is the importance of taking care of your money, putting it into real money, gold and silver, which has shown the test of time, and it's done an incredible job of that, that gold and silver have proven to be the one thing that no matter what happens, it can last and survive. And we are in a very critical time right now with all of this nonsense that's going on and these fools that keep wanting to rupture the economy. And that's why we have the great folks at Birch Gold. So if you text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, that's BARDS to 989898, they'll send you a free info kit. This is the group here that will help you literally ensure that your IRA, your 401k are solid and protected in a time of instability and unknowns. Right now, China is facing some, in fact, it was said today that China is in default of billions of dollars in U.S. debt. And where all this goes is hard to say, but we know that there, the attempt is on a global level to pull the rug out from the economy, to bottom it out, and to evaporate everybody's money to make them subjects to the new CBDC. And we need to do everything we can to protect the retirements and this money that we've earned and putting it into something as tangible that is solid and has real value. And again, that's, that's precious metals. So Get yourself a good head step up on this. Type in, text in BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Birch Gold will send you the information kit. No commitment necessary. Just go through it, and then you can reach out to them, and they'll be glad to walk you through the process. So, again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. All right, patriots. So much craziness going on in our world, and it just never ceases to amaze me where we are. I want to start with this. I played this earlier today, and I thought this is just a good way to start tonight. And I played this at Bended Knees. So take a listen to this piece. Did you know that the only bird in the world that dares to attack an eagle is the crow? It perches on the eagle's back and pecks at its neck. However, the eagle doesn't respond, fight, waste time, or expend any energy on it. Instead, the eagle opens its wings and starts to soar as high as possible. The higher the eagle flies, the harder it becomes for the crow to breathe. Eventually, the crow falls due to lack of oxygen. In light of this, here's some advice. Let's stop wasting time with crows. Let's continue our flight to the heights, and the crows will fall by themselves. We will keep on flying. And I just love that perspective because we spend a lot of time literally wallowing in the waste that they create for us in this information space. And and it's a heavy task for us all to take on. And we know that. And that's they know that. And that's why they do it, because they continually want to slay us with their depressive, energy-sucking narratives. And that's something that we have to be cognizant of and take a step away from if we are really going to survive a lot of what is ahead. And I don't mean that lightly. We have a, a important point here of all of us embracing who we are. We are the children of the Most High. And as children of the Most High, we have a 
duty and responsibility, if you will, to live into the gifts and talents that God gave us, which is amazing. And to start living that because look at the stake of this, like we've been talking about this, if we really look at what has happened in our world, it's a consequence of us not embracing the authorities that were given to us. And that also means that in this world that we're allowing to be manifest around us, that what we're witnessing is a world that lives without consequence and without justice. And what happens is what always happens. They go after the kids. And that's in biblical terms. You can go back and every time that these evil rise up, ultimately it becomes the sacrifice of the kid. So just think about Moses and goes up on Mount Sinai and then he comes down. And remember, that's whole, and it's a whole exchange because God tells him he's about ready to waste, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he's about ready to waste all the people down there. And Moses tucks up underneath him and basically pleased, pleads to him. It's like, Father, please don't do this because it will look so wrong. You have set us free from Egypt and only to, to impose the wrath that will make you look wrong. And so God gives Moses the authorities to deal with them. But what becomes pretty evident is Moses doesn't realize really what's happening down there. And so as he comes off the mountain, he goes into a rage because what does he witness? They have the golden calf. And what is the golden calf? It's about the destruction of their children to receive blessings from this dark energy, this dark world, this Satan force that's in the world. So when he destroys the calf and he makes them drink the water, I mean, it's a horrific punishment because literally that's the ashes of the burnt children that they're having to drink. And Moses goes into a rage. I think they kill 3,000 of Levi's family or the tribe of Levi or something. And I don't have it in front of me. I'm just, as I, I haven't read it for a while. But anyway, my point is the sacrifice of children has biblically been a point that has happened over and over. It's a cycle that happens. And every time that we live in a way that we are not proclaiming our authorities, evil slides in and God's children succumb to evil's threats and, and saber rattling. And evil then uses the authority of God's children to proceed with doing the most evil of things. Evil's not taking the, is not stealing the children. In, in this moment of Moses coming off of Mount Sinai, literally people are choosing to burn their child. And remember, that was part of this. They, there was a, in some of the older ways, they would take the child and put it into this cauldron, which was in the mouth or the butt or the belly of a calf or some bull, and the children would be burned alive. And, and the thing is, nobody wants to touch this in the, in our dead stone wall temples. You know, people are like, oh, that's kind of ugly. It's like, yeah, it's ugly. It's intended to be ugly. And it's intended to be a harsh, bitter reminder. It's the bitter fruit reminder that this is what happens when we don't live with the authorities and in the power of the children of the Most High. And worse than that is that not only are they not living in it, they're the ones doing it. Yeah, I just, I can't, it's so hard to get your head wrapped around that. People are willfully turning their children over to have them destroyed for a, for a, 
a blessing of power and wealth to come. We see that happen now, but it takes a different form. It's much more short-term, at least at certain levels. I mean, you, you hear of these stories of, you know, and it's not uncommon where parents then will farm their kids out for sex. And this farming them out is a process of them, of the parent getting power and wealth and money and probably drugs. It's, it's dark. So ultimately, the descending of a nation, the descending, the fall of a people centers around something rather profound. It centers all the ways around the same thing, which is that the children become, of a, a, become a disposable commodity. Now, in our nation, we've been talking about child sex trafficking, the whole process of child trafficking, which is not just sex trafficking. It's child trafficking because it has many aspects to it. Slave labor, sex, baby factories, sacrifice for ritual stuff, farming them into organ harvesting places where their organs are taken out. The list goes on. It's horrific, and it's real, and it's visceral. And we're having a hard time processing it, and yet I'm asking the question many times is why? Why are we having a hard time as a culture embracing the truth of this when the truth of this has been put before us in Scripture? But here's my bet is no one really wants to read closely to see what's actually being said. I've used this example, I've used the Moses example and I've used the Jericho example of two things of what people aren't wanting to pay attention to because the Bible doesn't labor on the violence and the gore. And yet, like the film, Sound of Freedom, you get enough to where your mind can fill in the blanks. But when we're reading it, I really get the sense is that most people that read scripture don't want to look at what is really being said to understand the implications of it. So here's the example. Jericho. And they walk around the city seven times and then seven times on the seventh day and then the walls collapse. And Joshua's army is given the go command effectively, right? Now this is a battle that rages through a city. You're not shooting people at 300 meters. You're up close in hand-to-hand combat. You're using swords. You're using spears. You're using clubs. You're probably using a mace, which is another weapon of war. These sorts of tools of war are being used hand-to-hand, face-to-face. And Joshua's army moves through a city and kills every man, woman, child, and donkey. So we jump from the, the walls fell and they kind of give you the, I mean, giving the real short version of the Bible, the walls fell and Joshua's army killed every man, woman, and child, and donkey. And we go, oh, okay, good. Joshua won. Yeah. In a most unbelievable battle with all sorts of levels of violence and graphic pain right before us. So The Bible has told us the stories of wrath. The Bible has told us the stories of sacrifice. And it's been there the whole time. The Bible has told us the consequence of violating a covenant with God. Let's use Jericho again. God says, don't 
touch the temple. One of, Jer- one of Joshua's soldiers sacks the temple, takes a few items. The next campaign they lose. Joshua prays to Father God. God comes in and says, you've lost your anointing because you're, one of your dudes took some stuff out of the temple when I explicitly told you not to. And Joshua's like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't know about this. And, but we learned something here. It's accountability. Joshua's army is held accountable for the actions of one, one person. And so Joshua brings him in to the camp to talk to him. And God's already made it clear what the punishment will be. And the punishment isn't going to change. But what Joshua tries to do is get him to confess his sins so that he can confess them before God, knowing that the punishment is going to be exactly the same either way. And what's the punishment? All of the things of that family are burned, and the family is rounded up and stoned to death. Now, I have, again, we have to look at a couple of things here. One, that there is absolute consequence of action. You are, it is an amazing moment where people have to understand that there is a consequence for an action. And so you, and you'll, people say, well, now people will say, but I mean, you, one can ask the question. It's like, well, is it a loving God? He's a very loving God. But there's something greater than him that he's dealing with here. This, and not greater than him, but greater than the moment. They have dealt with something very dark. Now, Pastor Dave Bryan has lectured on this, and he's talking about the items which they take from the temple, and those are demonic, and, and they're, they are, um, they're like talismans. They've been energized with demonic spirits. And once they're there, there's no cleansing them, and everybody that has been involved in taking them is also now has to be purified. So you've seen a ritual of purification that happens through that. All of this I'm saying to you is we need to realize that what we're dealing with now is a very consistent enemy. It's following the same roadmap, same battle plan as it has for years. And... It is going after the same target it always goes after. Only this time, I would say that this enemy is probably dancing around with enormous amount of joy. Because this joy that they're facing is the complicit nature of humankind. It is unbelievable how willful people have become since the mask and the COVID con, and then the shot, and now we walk into this whole transgender nonsense while the whole scale of global human sex trafficking explodes off the charts. None of it's unrelated, all of it's intertwined, and all of it's part of an enemy's plan to ultimately defile everything that God brought into this world. And so as I laid out in the last hour, As the enemy works in a global network, a transnational, transgenerational network, we have to be able to start fighting back with the tools of war that we have. And that always begins local, centered on our faith, centered on truth, which is intelligence, meaning the development of truth models, which are based around intelligence and and human mapping, human train mapping. And another thing, which is the principles on which this country was founded upon. Take a listen to this short piece. How do you win this war that we're in? 
Many of you ask this question. It's the same type of question I answered earlier. How do you win this war? How do we do it? How do we get out of this? It's easy. We've already won this war. America has the best blueprint for a human being on the planet's history. It's simple. Individual rights, individual freedom, right? When you give people around the world the ability to live in freedom, to have the ability to do what they want to do, live the way they want to live, that's how you win against these communists. See, these communists hate the idea of freedom. They hate the idea of the individual. They want you to be part of a big machine, a big government, right? They want a, a centralized control. The way you win this war is you tell these communists to go take a hike. In America, we're giving individual rights and individual freedoms to every human being. So the big thing is that we like to speak often in platitudes and talk about, you know, we, and I'm not taking away from what he's saying. We're going to give everybody individual rights as a globe. We, the evil will fall because of its own pride. I've said that here myself. But none of that's going to happen if we don't be involved, if we're not involved in getting, letting our hands dirty in sowing seeds. And it's not just enough to sit on the side and say, okay, well, I'm just going to wait for something to happen because we've been tasked. We have been given the commission as a human race, God's children, to steward this earth. We've been given all things. And it is our job working with Father to do just that. So the, the derailment happens in so much of the teachings that somehow God's going to fix it. It's all, and our prayers work this way. God, please fix this. God, please fix this. But it's, it's a bit of an irony because we have already been given the task of authority. We've already been given the authorities to fix it ourselves with the authorities that he gave us. So that circle has to, we have to break that sort of circle of thinking. We have to get focused now on our, in our authorities, bringing them into the world and using our authorities as intended. This idea of the end of times, this idea that, that we're all here, I, I'm told you and I will continue to hold to this place. I don't buy it. I'm not buying into it at all because I don't think we're there. But I know it keeps a lot of people busy and I know it gives a lot of people comfort because the end of times theologies give people comfort that they won't have to endure this much longer. And really what it ends up being is a cop-out to what we actually are. It doesn't matter if you want to believe in end of times theology or not. Like, that's fine. And that's enough for debate that I'm, I, you know my position on it. But what we can't let happen is the corruption of the thinking that somehow because we're in the end of times, there's not something we have to do. And, it, and that is goes straight to the authorities given to us, that we have the authority and that we've been given the commission to steward this earth. And that's part of what we have to do, not escape it. We're not trying to run away. Unfortunately, when we look around at this world and we realize the darkness, child sex trafficking has come about to a large degree because of a complacency of the human race a complacency of people focusing on themselves. Their business is not my business. I just need to get by. Um, I, I need to get my new car. I have to make my car payment. I have my mortgage to do. I don't have time for that. That's too much. I, that, that can't possibly happen. Those sorts of narratives are just pervasive everywhere. And anybody that's tried to talk about child sex trafficking to the uninformed, you will run into it immediately. Because the first thing you'll say is, I, I don't believe this, show me the proof. Well, it's like, okay, I mean, would you like it to take a walk in the dark web to see how this is? And, and they wouldn't believe it then either 
Because denial is the way of protecting yourself from having to face the truth. And to me, in my personal opinion, denial, I, I see denial, and I, I, I may, I, I will tell you, I won't say that this is actually someone that everyone will support this, but when we deny, I see that as sin. Because the truth sits before us, and that means we have an opportunity we have a responsibility to do something about it, but it's much easier to turn our eyes away and not look into the truth of the well, the well of truth and realize what's before us. So when we're living constantly in a place where we want to be distracted, and it's very easy to get distracted in this world, and in those distractions, and some of that distraction is news, it's current events, it's, it's whatever is going on, we are, we're pulled away from the things that really are important. So let me play a short piece here. It's about a minute. And this is um, just a snapshot of some of the inflation that's going on in our country, which, by the way, is a big distraction. I'll get to that in a second. Here you go. I just went to Red Robin for the first time in about a year, and I couldn't believe the inflation on their menu. It's completely insane. Check this out. A year or so ago, I went to this exact same Red Robin. I remember because it was for my cousin's birthday. And I took this picture. I sent it to my wife because she was coming a little bit later and I was going to order for her. So I asked her what she wanted. Here's the picture. Well, this is the picture I took of the menu, which was a little while back. And you can see right here, I'm going to highlight this section that has these cheaper burgers because these are just, it seems like people order these like 80% of the time. They're the most affordable ones. They were always $6.99. Okay, so here's an updated menu if you guys want to compare all the prices. What I'm looking at here basically is the section, which is kind of their cheapest burger. So Red's Tavern Double, which used to be $6.99, now $9.99. And the Haystack Tavern Double, which used to be $6.99, also is now $11.29. So that's 20 to 65% inflation on menu items at Red Robin in one year. One year. And what's crazy is the biggest inflation numbers we see are all on the bottom end. Just the same as what we're seeing in the housing market with used cars, all those things. So, so here's why this is a big deal and why I want to use this example, because we're walking right now in an opportunity to walk truly more and more and more deeply into our gifts and talents and the authorities of Father God. And with that, that means that we have to start dis disconnecting from the chains of this slavery system. These sorts of focuses, when we get hyper-focused on the cost of things and how these inflations are happening and the declining budgets we have, all of that system that we're in is designed to pull us away from trust in Father and trust instead in the labors of this world and the debts of this world. It is also a massive distraction towards the bigger things, which, of course, our big theme here is child trafficking globally. As they begin to increase and accelerate things like inflation, more and more people's eyes are pulled across. I can guarantee you the increase, as you will be able to map this, as the awareness of child sex trafficking and child trafficking as a whole increases, and it is rapidly, you will see inflation increase proportionally. You will also see other things like bizarre issues. Remember the woman the other night on the plane that said she saw somebody and she started freaking out because she's like, this, this MF dude over here, is, he's not real. Well, isn't it crazy that that happened again today on another flight with a guy, which now tells me that this whole thing is probably a distractionary psyop. They can't find the woman, by the way. She's disappeared. 
This guy made a whole another big scene like that. Same type of thing. You don't get two of those happening back to back. That's likely a coordinated psyop. And even though I, I gave a whole analysis on that, I could be wrong, openly stated, because if these people were actors designed to do that, that changes the entire equation. But we're starting to, every time we start to peek up to critical things that expose the truth and awaken our heart in heaven and our heart in God, they are going to strike hard to bring us down. And that's, all these things is why we have to keep our eye constantly on what's going on. Now, one of the next things that they're going to try to do with all of this, and they're putting this out there, they're building the network, they're trying to rope people in, they're going to get you hooked on if, if you're willing they're trying to get as many people hooked on to this digital currency, trying to make you believe that there's no possible way that you can survive without them. That's the concept. You can't survive without digital currency. We know that's not true. And they're going to try to do this in every angle. They're going to start telling you that you can't have a well anymore because there's ta they're taking out so much water out of the earth that the earth is losing its tilt. They're going to try to tell us all of these things. These are not new strategies. And the question is, are we going to step in and understand that we have the authority and the numbers to defeat them, or are we going to winch back and literally bow to them and give them the authority over us? This is where all this comes. And so as we start to further increase the levels of truth and our awareness, they are going to increase the pressure of tyranny to try to force us to comply before them. That's where we have to stand with God in the most mighty of ways. And when we do, and we start to stand in those places. Literally, no, no weapon forged against us can succeed. And as we begin to shift our focus to what really matters, which is the children, nothing they do has any effect on us. In fact, I would argue that something else happens. And that is, I truly believe that as we step into the mission that is the most important mission, I believe, in heaven, which is to save, to rescue, to heal, and to restore the children, I think that the blessings that follow with that dwarf anything that this other system can provide. Now, Father doesn't just rain down mana. It's not about mana or mammon. Excuse me, say mammon. This is not about mammon. This is about us stepping in to our authorities and then trusting in God in a way rather than trusting in your job, your bank account. And remember, those two models are exactly opposite. If we're really following the way God wants us to follow, then we should be excited when our bank accounts get low because that means that we're living and using the, the, the resources God gave us to build out the kingdom versus the other side, which is hoarding and trying to stack it up because we're afraid of not having enough. Two, two models that clash immediately. So as we now walk in this place more and more towards a direction of saving the children, and again, it's, it's rescuing, healing, and restoring. We're going to be at odds with a system that will increasingly, it will increase its pressures, it will increase its noise, it will increase its threats. But how much teeth are in the threats? And that's something each person has to assess. But I will tell you, I truly believe that as we walk in our authorities, the teeth have no bite at all. Now, here's another one they're working on right now. This one is about taking away the internet by 2027. Take a listen to this. Hi, everybody. What if I told you by the year 2027, you would need to have a digital ID in order to get online? Would you believe me? Because that's exactly what this is. The Pentagon creates roadmap for zero trust internet access by 2027. 
Tian has examined this topic in detail several times. Ultimately, the only people who will be able to hop on the internet, regardless of the entry point, will first have to be definitively identified. This will require a personal registered ID comparable to an electronic passport. No digital ID. You don't use the internet. Got it? Every activity is tracked, cataloged, and saved. The military is paving the way for this. So think about this a minute. For all of those that find their entire purpose and being on the internet, this is a frightening moment. They don't have a relationship in God, at least not strong enough to overcome that. And they can't imagine a world where they can't connect digitally with people. They're in, they're so interconnected that way in their lives that they, that to sever that would sever their purpose. And there's going to be a lot of people that follow that. Again, we have to center back to the strength in our faith, the rock of faith, and trust in God moving forward. Always it's the same plan, though. The enemy seeks to pressure people, collapse their faith in God, force the eyes onto the enemy and the offerings and promises that the enemy will make. Hence, you end up every time at the same place. Biblically and historically, it's the same time, same place, which is what? Ultimately, the only way you can get the blessings of the enemy to get what you need or what you think you need when you turn your authorities over to them is to hand your children over to them for sacrifice. Now, in this particular era here, we're in this interesting level of sacrifice. And I believe personally that we're witnessing multiple sacrifices in each child's life. One is the sacrifice of them being moved away from God. The other is a sacrifice of them choosing another gender. Then there is the sacrifice of them mutilating themselves so they can never be like God intended. And then ultimately there's the sacrifice of their death because so many commit suicide. That's just in one circle that's within the grips of every family. Those that are trafficked, that's a whole other subject. So when we're talking about child exploitation and we're talking about trafficking of kids and we're talking about child sexual abuse, you're starting to see how massive this network is and this, this agenda is. And ultimately it comes back to the local, local model, which is kind of where I want to move things here as we close. The whole story, the whole principle I laid out that God put on my heart since I accepted the commission last Thursday is that the only way to defeat this and to preserve our liberty is to build out the county-by-county model at a whole new level. We've already had the basics of the county-by-county, the seven pillars. This is now adding on top of that to build a capacity within the county and community. But notice the three pillars, the three primary pillars of that was the first being communication. And it doesn't, in a local level, if the internet goes down, good. Who cares? Because you can communicate in other ways. You can print things. You can write things. You can meet people face to face. You're not you're not reliant on a communication that's global. And yes, it will disrupt things. I'm not telling you it won't. But you're, we're moving into a model now as we start to see this that God's preparing us to be readied to live without the digital interconnectivity if we have to. And as far as like communicating county to another county or county across the country, that's 
like I said earlier in the previous show, President Trump only communicated by courier with Kim Il-jun on North Korea. He never used the Internet. We can go back to the old way, and that's Pony Express type stuff, the way our grandparents and even our parents grew up. We have to get into the mindset of change, but we have to get into the mindset of what we're really here for, for me. And I think that if we're honest, it ultimately is the only and principal mission that heaven needs us focusing on right now. It is saving these kids. And again, rescue, heal, restore. Rescue, heal, restore. We have to get to this because once we do this, the ripple effect of this is beyond imagination. As we bring these kids out of that unbelievable destruction that they're going through, we are now bringing to the communities the evidence and the consequence of a destructive system, which is the child's narrative and story as they are healed and restored. And we're exposing the evil that cannot be, cannot be escaped because it's in the local community. It's easy to deny it, like happens when you start talking to somebody and going, oh, child sex trafficking, it's not bad here. It doesn't really happen here. But when you're focused local and you can point to it and say, yes, it does, here's the evidence, here's who was involved, etc." I had a phone call just a little bit ago of somebody that lives in my county that was sharing with me that one of the deputies in the sheriff's department that lived near them, and I didn't know this story until I was just told, is now in jail because of pornography. Well, if they're in jail for pornography, it's probably child pornography. My point is the systems that we have in place are all corrupted. And the tasking that sits before us is biblical. And the only way to get through it is going to be anchored in Scripture and to build our lives and rebuild within the model, within these spaces where the system that is around us begins to fall. That's going to take some courage. You're going to have to be able to stand in the face of the storm and not get blown over. When I was in college, and I've done it since, but in particular when I was in college, we get at nights we'd jump in the car and drive right to the coast in the middle. We'd wait until there was a bad storm and we'd go over to the Oregon coast, which has the best winter storms ever. I love Oregon coast, Oregon coast storms. They're, the waves are, are just wicked powerful. They crash into the rocks. The winds are strong. And he just it's just like everything about you is alive and visceral. So whenever I, that term, the storm comes up, that's where I put myself. And we would walk out on the beach and the winds would be just crashing against you and the waves just bashing on the rocks. And the winds would be strong enough that we would lean in and you could literally just lean way into the wind and like 30 degrees in and not fall over because the winds were that strong against your chest. When we talk about standing, leaning in, the strength of, of being able never to bow, that's what we're talking about because this storm is coming. And the walk that we take will put us outside of this system. It has to happen. And it, it's, this, it's this sort of division, and it's going to happen. But as we are continuing to build these networks, which we are going to be, we are starting now. There's no when, it's starting now. And we are starting to build the interconnectivity between ourselves and within our communities and, and enhancing our local tribes to build other tribes and building the bridges. We're building a bypass to their system. We're building strength, truly, 
and the mightiness of kingdom in our lives. And we're going back in Jeremiah 6, 16 to the ancient paths and relying on that, leaning into that as the strength of where we walk forward. The road ahead is fantastic. I'm excited about it. It's hard work. It's going to be a time of rolling up your sleeves, getting your hands dirty and building into this dream. And every person has a place in this. And I mean that. And, and whether it's you're a good gardener, you're a good welder, you're a good builder, you're a good cook, you are, uh, you're a good teacher, you're a good prayer warrior, you're a great healer, you're, a, you're, a, you're an intercessor prayer person, whatever your skill set is, you're a mechanic, everything has to be utilized and maximized. Because in order to accomplish this seemingly focused task, the singular task of ultimately saving the children, rescue, heal, restore. We are going to have to accept a severing, a divorce from the current system and to build out a network, an amazing network of talents, of people that are wholly committed on kingdom work and trust in our Father to make that happen. And I will tell you, and I say this with absolute confidence, I know that as we step into that path and full-hearted where that goes, everything we need will be provided. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very humbled and blessed. And I just want to begin tonight just by thanking you for just the unbelievable response in so many levels to the acceptance of the commission and the energy and, and enthusiasm that has rippled through Bard's nation. This is truly an amazing moment that to be able to sit on a precipice, all of us, and share this moment that will be life-changing, that will be, a, will be a commission for life that will shape us, direct us, and at the same time doing something that will not only ultimately restore this nation, but free the world in the appropriate way. And so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the trust. We thank you for the love that's shared upon us to make such a time as, like this happen. And, Father, as we stand here today and, and we, we're, we're blessed, we're, we're just reflective as well on the challenges that we face. And there are many and there will be many ahead. And so, Father, tonight I am going to read a prayer sent to sent in for everyone from nature cat and i just want to read this for all that it is father i pray that each of us will clearly hear and discern god's voice as he calls upon us to individually examine our unique gifts and talents so that we may become useful servants in God's kingdom, responding to the cries of God's trafficked children. May we overcome doubt and find the courage to commit to answering God's call as we offer up our gifts and talents for the battle. May Almighty God's hand ultimately reign over, guide, guard, and bless this commission always as we keep our egos out of God's way, thereby allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us fully in accordance with God's will. Bless these children 
we hear their cries. Send us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you, Nature Cat, for that beautiful prayer. So, Father, here we are. And we're grateful for this time. And we thank you for this amazing assembly and fellowship. And so, Father, I want to close ultimately this prayer this in a bigger way with something that needs to be acknowledged. And unfortunately, I didn't acknowledge it last hour, but I am acknowledging it now. With a, four years, is, is, this podcast has been going for four years. It's four years and two months. It started with 100 people on YouTube. This podcast has grown by Father's hand. It has brought together the most amazing assembly of people gift, with gifts and talents to come together to truly form a nation. This is God's nation that we're forming here, which we call Bard's Nation. In the four years' time, we've seen an amazing growth, all of us, in, in ourselves as a community and even as the size of the community. The hundred people grew to several thousand. I remember the day that it hit 10 million or 10,000 followers on YouTube. I remember the moment that it crossed 100,000 followers on YouTube when we were just beginning on Podbean. And then we got bumped off of YouTube as we enjoyed all that purge. But we've continued to be persistent and built a community here that is active, dedicated, that is leading in so many ways, the true community of faith and love in Jesus. All of this is about us. The commission that I may talk about, it will only happen if we do it together. And we each embrace this tasking that God puts before us. And so I don't find it at all missed in the timing of things and the importance of this acknowledgement I'm going to make. It was actually last night, but it, notifying it, or this morning, I guess. It was actually this morning. We crossed 40 million downloads on this channel. 40 million. And it's humbling. It's a, a message that is moving across the world. It's a community that's growing across the world. And it's a community that's touching people and bringing people together. There's a lot of things going to happen in these coming months. In fact, we have a follower in Germany who's flying in from Bardsfest in Kansas to be to join Bard's Nation. Well, and everyone will get introduced to her when she comes in. We have we've prayed for folks in South Africa. We have regular followers in the UK, in France, in Australia, in Chile. There's a there's going to be a Bardsfest in Chile in December. This is a global community. So as we reflect on the sense of who we are, a community that is inspired to do things. We've talked about county by county for three years now. And people didn't need a temple to go to. People didn't need to donate money to make it happen. God gave us a tasking, and through the communities, we've each picked up those pieces of the seven pillars, and we've implemented more and more of them in our lives. We were, we're transforming the world. We're transforming the world through our own actions and our love and walk in Christ. 
And so this next step is quite profound to me because it truly, we sit on the cusp of doing something amazing. This is truly the biggest commission we could be part of. It's a commission to do the most glorious thing ever. And I just ask in this moment that we pray into that. And in many ways, I pray into the resources that we'll need, but more importantly than all of that, because God will provide that. I want you to dream for a moment that a bunch of people who wandered in a desert, who were outcast by families and medical and jobs and all of these things, have found an assembly, a fellowship online, many of whom have never met each other, but built the trust between each other. This tribe, which we call Bard's Nation, given the commission to do something that I believe is possible, that in our lifetime, we can so change the world that we can literally light the fires to such a degree that the idea of child sex trafficking as a growing industry will be something they talk about in past tense. That instead of talking about it as a threat, they'll be talking about it as the most heroic transformation in humanity that stepped up and addressed the problem and solved it together. We can be that agent of change. And so I throw that out there for everybody to pray into. I speak openly and a thank you to Father God for all the, the trust and power that he put before us. And I am openly declaring with the authorities given to us in Christ Jesus as greater works than he, that we can make that possible and true. That in our lifetime, the concept of children being a centerpiece of profiteering for abuse, torture, and destruction will become a thing of the past. And so, Father, please hear that prayer and please hear that declaration. I give my heart to this, as I know many others do. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So, we have something very special here. And I won't kid you that in the last few days since this whole thing has settled in, it's been very transformative to me. My entire mindset is shifting towards the mission. And it's hard for me even to find, while I will do topical news like we do, you realize how insignificant all of that is when you consider how significant the children are in this world and in God's eyes. So place them before you. Think about that every day, about what our mission is. Let God speak to you of where he wants you to be. And without resources even, start moving in that direction. All things will come. We have to start. We have to step off and begin. And hence was the reason even tonight earlier, because I was writing this, I'm writing this operational plan and I'm like, okay, I'm not quite done. And God just said, bring it now. Share it as it is. Meet them where you are so they can meet me where I am. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. So that, that's the whole point here. This is a new narrative. It's a growing narrative. And we have to have the faith to step in and lean in and trust in him. And as we work in that amazing way in the body of Christ and we walk together, there's going to be different things we're going to do, different things will pop up, things that aren't seen in the beginning will be revealed along the way. 
But the most important thing is we've given our heart to something so significant, so powerful, so profound that it's the root of what we need to change this world. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. Thank you. Good night. God bless. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Oh.